Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today on the show, we have a first, a first that I'm really excited about. And also, I don't know how this is going to go, right? This is going to be really interesting. Um, I think it's all going to be smooth, but there could be some fireworks here because we have a husband and wife team on the podcast today. And so we're going to get to hear just a phenomenal success story. This is a, a rock star e-commerce couple working side by side, building an amazing business. Hey, Brett Curry here. I've got an important question for you. Where will your next big idea come from? Where will your next big breakthrough come from? Or where will your next little tweak or little improvement come from? Have a suggestion. Check out our guides and resources at omgcommerce.com. Are you looking to enhance your YouTube ads game? We have two of the best YouTube ad resources that are completely free, our YouTube ad examples and templates guide, and our guide to getting authentic video customer testimonials. But it doesn't stop there. We also have guides on how to maximize sponsor brand video on Amazon and Amazon DSP and Google Shopping and a variety of other things. So get these free guides give them to your team, even share them with your agency. Just take advantage of these resources and up your game. Let OMG Commerce help. And now back to the show. Uh, we first connected in Austin, Texas at a War Room event. Uh, we immediately kind of struck up a friendship, had a great chat. And so I'm delighted to welcome to the show Josh and Becca Hadley of Hadley Designs. Josh is CEO. Becca is CCO, Chief Creative Officer. And uh, just so excited, guys. So excited you could be here. Congrats on your success. Congrats on being a power couple in the e-commerce space. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us here, Brett. We're Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> hey, I love to hear that. That's awesome. So uh, tell me... Um, when did you realize that like, hey, we could work together in our business? Because I know a lot of couples that love each other, they're committed, so, you know, awesome, but like they would never work uh, with each other. So when did you guys first realize that, hey, this could be, this could work? I don't know if there was ever like a, a, a reality point where it was like, oh, this, this could actually work. I think that we just kind of got started and we'll tell our story a little bit more, but we just kind of got started. And as we got into it, we both kind of have our own areas of specialty. And so she doesn't need to touch my work and I don't touch her work. And that's the way it works really well, but it's, it's been really fun um, to work as a couple. And again, if you would have asked me before we started Hadley Designs, would you like to work with your spouse? I probably would say eh, no, because that could, you know, you hear all the horror stories. Sure, sure. But for us, the, the relationship is too valuable, right? To like risk it, you know, on a, on a failed, you know, business uh, endeavor. Yeah, we actually don't really know it much any other way, though, because we got started probably a year and a half, into two years marriage. into our marriage. So honestly, it's been more working together than not. So for us, it's kind of the only thing we've known. <laughs> it's true. That, that's that's amazing. So I want to hear the story. I want to hear the backstory because I think it's going to be fascinating. Uh, but I'm just curious, do you have any code words? Like any code words for, hey, let's stop talking about this <laughs> or, hey, you're not treat, you're not talking to me like like you should, you know, we're, we're a couple here. Uh, in, anything like that that would be helpful for other, you know, couples out there? I'm probably the more high strung one that's like, okay, we need to, we, so we have a date night every week and we make sure that at least the majority of that date is spent talking about life and other things. So we're, we're very open about it and we kind of have like rules give, if you call it that. So just kind of having some guidelines to give it a break. I don't think Josh needs a break ever, but I need <laughs> to talk about other things sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, that totally makes sense. So we we have talked about, first, kudos to you guys for doing the once a week date night. My wife and I have talked about that a lot. Uh, as people that listen to the podcast know, we have eight children. It's not so easy to do date nights. Um, so we're like a once a month, probably date night, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get better uh, at some point. So uh, that is awesome, guys. Excited to dive into the story. And so let, let's just start at the beginning. Like, how did this 
how did this start? And first of all, and this is not like a relationship show per se, but like any interesting uh, story on, on how you guys met? Well, we met on the corner of the street. That's right. Picked her up off the corner of the street. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Let your imaginations Beautiful. run wild. <laughs> uh, uh, you just really didn't meet on the street. We did meet on the street. Go ahead and really tell the did. quick version of this story. Yes. So if you know Josh, it's nothing surprising. He's very friendly, open, confident. We were actually just walking to uh, campus of the college at the same time, crossing the road at the same time, and Josh just struck up conversation. I was confused and tired because it was early in the morning and cold in the winter. <laughs> um, and Josh, are you, are you a morning person? Were you like all excited and, and loving life? And stuff? Funny, I'm not really a morning person, but <laughs> okay. when I see a beautiful girl, sure. <laughs> So he didn't even get my number, though. He just invited me to his business club, which yeah, also okay. fits his personality. Just started yeah, talking. Yeah, smooth, man. It's like, it's like, it's subtle. Like, hey, come to the business club. So you're not like really sticking your neck out there. Like, hey, I'm totally into you. But it's like, hey, you want to do business, you know, like learn business. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed, Josh. So that's a good move. Right? Yeah. I guess it's kind of an ironic start given where we are now. It is but true. Exactly. It's like it was destined. To, this was the way it was supposed to be. You guys met at a business club and uh, run a business together. And by the way, before I forget, this is the sign that you have achieved success in your business. And also, this is a quick plug if anyone's watching the video because I know most people listen. But hey, check this out on YouTube or on Facebook if, if all you do is listen. Uh, you guys have some special chairs like there. Becca, could you yeah, lean to the side cool. and, and yeah. tell me about the chair? There you go. There you go. Look at that. Those are, those are fancy white chairs with a black H on the back. It's super cool. I'm jealous. I just got a normal chair here. Uh, so, so what's the story behind the chair? We finally upgraded and got a grown-up chair. Well, we had our old, yeah, when college we first, our old college chairs. And then they were literally breaking. My back was hurting. Basically, I got old, Brett. So thanks for calling it out. I lost my hair and my my back started to hurt. And so we got, what, orthopedic? Yeah, they're like chairs. Orthopedic chair. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I love that, home ground. So we added the H because. They are very soft. Business name, our name, it's what's great. Yeah. Now, can, can you can you recommend the specific brand? I know this is, this is not- Yeah, it was a Relax the Back. Relax the Back. Okay, I will definitely yep. check it out. I like it. I like it. They're really so, nice. Really good chairs. Awesome. So then, so business club, going back to business club, that's like going way back to the beginning, but how did this, how did this business start? So let's fast. So that was in college. And so Becca, we'll go quick story here. I was doing my MBA at, this is at the University of Utah. I was finishing up my MBA and she was finishing up her um, undergrad in early childhood education. And we got married our- uh, We had one year left. We had one year left um, when we had got married. So we got married, finished up college. And at that point, um, I had got a job with American Airlines um, in their leadership, MBA leadership development program. So that brought us down to Dallas, Texas. And at that point, Becca, you know, kind of the conversation was like, well, I know what I'm going to be doing during the day. What are you going to be doing during the day? And you had, why don't you tell the story of how you kind of had always had an interest in graphic design. That's kind of when you started it, actually exploring it. Yeah. So in college, um, I just had a lot of people who told me that an art degree would be a waste of time and money. and that it would be a waste of my Good path to become a barista or something like that, you know, if you really love coffee. Yeah, I'd never get a job. It would waste my scholarship, you know, all those things. And um, nothing wrong with being a barista, by the way. Quick yeah. shout out to all my barista friends. I love you. And, and you know that I, I support you. But anyway, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so um, so I kind of tried to find a job that still, or a career, a degree that would allow me to still be creative, which I love. I've been creative since birth, I love to design and do art and all these things. And so um, I decided to try and study early education because it allowed me to, you know, create lesson plans and I'm social and friendly. So I got to be around people. So I thought it would be a good path possibly if I wasn't going to do an art degree, even though I knew that's what I really wanted to do. Um, so when we came out to Dallas, I started looking around to um, work at like preschools and stuff. And I just, 
don't love other people's kids that much. <laughs> My wife has said the same, the same exact thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's a true. passion, you know, like I loved creating the lessons and that was kind of about it. I didn't really want to participate. <laughs> um, so I just knew it just, it just wasn't right. It wasn't, it was something where I would watch the clock and wait for the time to be over, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. So when we moved out here, we were fortunate enough that I didn't have to get a job right away. Um, and so I started teaching myself um, graphic design. I watched hours and hours of YouTube videos and online courses. Um, and I'm totally self-taught in graphic design and Photoshop. And so I spent that whole first year doing hundreds of free Christmas cards and oh man, everything under the sun. Yeah. So, and we did have a good friend that was out in Dallas who was getting married. And so she asked me to do her wedding invitations And that's where I was like, this is it. This is so fun. I love doing wedding invitations. And that's where everything kind of started beginning of Josh and I working together. Um, We started doing custom wedding invitations and Josh handled all of the business, the sales side, the pricing, because I... I'm terrible. I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'll do it for free. I love it. It's great. (laughs) Helps me turn it into a business, which is, that's part of the reason we work so well together is he can more handle that business side and realistic expectations and money and all those things. And I get to be creative and come up with products and all of those things. So we work really well together. That's kind of how it all initially began. I love that though, where you got those complementary skill sets, right? Where if the, if the roles were reversed, like if each of you had to take the other's role, like it, it wouldn't work. Right. And that, For that's, real. that's the makings of a great partnership, whether you're married to your business partner or not, like having that complementary skill set, uh, which is, which is super cool. So using that graphic design ability, and, and by the way, your stuff is amazing. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm a fan, uh, but then combining that with some business savvy and Josh's skill sets. And so Josh, anything you want to add to the, the, the origin story there? Yeah. So we started doing the custom wedding invitations and I was still working my full-time job with American Airlines. I I worked there for five years while, while we were basically building Hadley designs. I consider it my venture funding, if you will, (laughs) Uh, because it was, you know, we would stay up until 2 a.m. every single day. In fact, we still often do that way too often, but um, and just do you do it now just because you, you love what you do and you're, you're interested or you, you have yeah, too much caffeine? Yeah. yeah. We just love what we do. We love it. And it's, it's fun time together. We can talk more about that. And that it's been a huge blessing. It's been fun. Yeah. So anyways, we had built up the custom wedding invitation business to a point where if we wanted to bring on more clients, like Becca was already like maxed out. Um, there was like no additional room for clients. They'd have to wait like six months just to even get on their schedule. So that's when, you know, I had heard the, you know, heard about Amazon and people selling on Amazon. And so that's kind of where we dipped our toe in the water because it was like, Hey, we're not able to scale this business any further unless we want to start hiring more graphic designers and go that route. Um, but I decided, Hey, no, let's see if we can do something just here on Amazon. So we uh, we launched our first product on Amazon was recipe cards. And ironically enough, super fun product category isn't amazing in and of itself, but we launched it in Q4 of 2016 and recipe cards do very well in Q4 of, of any year. And so all of a sudden I saw this huge spike and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the silver bullet that I thought it was. But because then, uh, then, then in Q1, sales went way down, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely like a, a peak. But anyways, it got the idea started of like, hey, maybe there's something to mass producing products instead of doing custom projects one-off for everybody. So again, yeah, that, that was a few years and we've still been on Amazon um, that we've, we've been launching hundreds of products on Amazon in the stationary and gifts niche. And, uh, and then from there, Becca also created some printables that we have available on our website to help people celebrate holidays, birthdays, and baby showers and all that stuff. So that's kind of the, the culminating point of our business is, you know, I was able to quit my job last year with American Airlines. Congratulations. That's awesome. We launched, launched our own website on Shopify and we're just continuing to go all in and new product design and 
it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. So one thing I think would be kind of fun. This is a couple show. Is let's. Uh, I love to hear people's superpower, like what makes you unique, and I think we all have them, right? In business, to, to a certain degree, we have some superpower. So, uh, but not everybody likes to brag on themselves, right? Like we, we we're so humble in this industry, some of us. <laughs> and so, um, can you explain to the audience the other's superpower? So, Becca, can you go first and explain to us what is Josh's superpower, other than being like charming and handsome and, and all those things? First, I was going to say, I have a hard time picking just one. I would say Josh has a couple. Um, For one, I think he's one of the most driven people in the world. I think um, he's able to create more talents just for... And and by the way, just a quick question. Are you guys guys to do the Enneagram test? Are you guys Enneagram people? We have not taken it. I've heard of it. I need to. I was going to try to guess what Josh is. I'm not, oddly enough, I'm not very good at guessing. I feel like I connect with people well, but I'm not that great at guessing. I'm a three for those Enneagram people. I'm a three uh, achiever. Um, so, so I wonder, Josh, I bet you're a three. We'll have to follow um, up. Yeah. We'll have to guess. follow so up. Let me, let me know. Let me know. Yeah. I'll have to know your bet on me too. So then we can take it and find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking you're maybe a four individualist. Anyhow, anyhow, okay, all right. Let's, let's, <laughs> I totally, totally interrupted you. Oh, uh, no, yeah. So yeah, I would say Josh is extremely driven. Um, like with Amazon, he knew nothing about it when we were doing custom brides, custom wedding invitations, and he put in all the time and effort to just completely kill it on Amazon. And that's the case with anything that he wants to learn. You know, putting up our Shopify store, figuring out marketing. Um, he's become super great at figuring out how to hire people. Um, and so he's just really good at learning and then applying what he's learned and being able to then teach and manage other people to do it as well, to grow our team, to manage our team. Um, he's an extremely great leader. I would also say that he's very creative in a business sense. I think people sometimes only associate right. with artwork, whereas Josh is a very creative entrepreneur, whether that be figuring out the best way to launch a product or to reach a certain audience or to hire someone. He kind of like, he'll come up with very creative ways to do it and execute it. And so I think he's super driven, a great leader and very creative in a business sense. So I, I love that. I'm so glad you pointed that out because there, there is definitely a creativity and, and, and ingenuity being innovative. And that doesn't necessarily mean art, right? It can. Art's fantastic. Right? You can be innovative in a, in a business space. What's that? Terrible at art. I will say, though, I have been genuinely impressed with how much his perspective of what looks good and what doesn't look good has improved over the years. Like, he's pretty good at being like, yeah, this has no potential. Your your, your (laughs) taste is being refined right before our eyes, Josh. Yeah, it is. It's very important. Okay. Awesome. That was fantastic. Uh, uh, So so now, now roles are are reversed here. So, so uh, Josh, what is Becca's superpowers? What are her superpowers? Yeah. Well, Becca, I mean, she is just incredible. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Soak it in, lay it on me. This Here is we go. good. Yeah. Apparently we need to do this more often. More of a like a counseling. Counseling. I, I'm an e-commerce show host. I do some YouTube ads. I do some marriage counseling as well. I mean, like Love not counseling, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah. Becca's uh, superpower is definitely like her creativity and her eye for design is unmatched. And I tell her this, but like I would throw her, uh, I would put her up against any other graphic designer in the world. Becca will come out ahead. Like she is that good. Um, her, I've, I've I mean, seen the stuff. Like you're not, you're not lying. This is, this is good stuff for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she is just incredible. And everybody that sees her stuff is like, you did this, you actually created this. And even myself, I'm like, wait, you did this yourself? <laughs> Um, I'm always every day, you know, impressed. So, I mean, that's her superpower, but it's not that she's just a designer only. She also understands the business side as well, which is very important. So it's not this frivolous, like, let's go produce blankets just because I want to produce blankets. And I'm just passionate about blankets. She's smart enough to, you know, trust me and to also have a conversation to say, Hey, here's the next products that we're going to launch. And so because of that, again, we're very complementary to each other in our skill sets. And that's what's allowed us to succeed as a business, but also succeed working together as a couple. And it's just fun. 
Yeah, that, that is phenomenal, guys. Really, really cool. So I want to kind of key in on something because I think there's some good business lessons here. Uh, Becca, you mentioned it about Josh, that Josh is really good about learning what it takes to succeed in something and then, and then goes really deep on that. So as an example, what does it take to build a great team? And how do you hire people? How do you bring people on? on? And, and so I think that's such an important skill set. And I'll make a quick sports analogy. Um, I coach basketball, but I also love football. And I, I like sports in general. Uh, but, you know, I, I coached at the varsity level basketball for a while and had a great athlete who played for me who was a pretty good basketball player. He was a phenomenal football player, though. And I remember just talking to him about, hey, let me try to connect these things here for you that, you know, how important is footwork and football? Oh, super important. Okay, footwork is really important in basketball too, but they're very different because this guy was like trying to make football moves on the basketball court and that doesn't work. And so, but just understanding, okay, footwork is important, but it's going to look different in these different scenarios, you know? And so I think I think that's kind of key understanding what are the, the elements that make up success in this piece of the business? How do they relate? How do I master them? So can you elaborate on that, on that, Josh? Like what's, what's your approach um, to kind of learning a new thing? And, and, and do you like to go deep on something and do it yourself? Do you like to kind of understand something and then, and then hire someone or outsource it or, or, or elaborate on that a little bit? I know that's a, a long-winded question. Yeah, so you, you going back to personality assessments, if you will, I took the, uh, the Colby uh, assessment and that one has me listed as a really high quick start which basically means I'm, I'm really good at like seeing a vision and being able to help it come to fruition. More on the quick start of like, I can think very creatively and generate new ideas. Um, and that's one of the key aspects is being able to take an idea. And then for me, I get very bored as soon as I figure it out. So as soon as I figure it out, I'm like, oh, that's boring. Like, yeah. Is so you figure it out and then get someone else to do it for you, right? That's the, that's that's exactly it. It's his life story. So every month I have, and this is kind of my plans for 2021, every month or, or per quarter, who is it that I'm going to bring onto the team? Because the way that I'm approaching it and the way that I've done it thus far is go dive all in on something I'm learning. So right now it's email marketing, Right. So go all in on email marketing. Good choice. That's going to that's gonna be an endeavor that really pays off, no doubt. I'm sure it already has. Well, uh, hasn't yet because I haven't really put in too much time and effort. Okay. been half-baked thus far. But hopefully, hopefully it does pay off. But yeah, go all in learning the best tips and practices. Create some SOPs around it. Hire somebody that, again, is even smarter than I am then they're able to kind of take the SOPs that I've created, expand on them a lot more. And then we just kind of keep layering on. So that's how, you know, our business has been able to succeed, you know, so quickly, I think is that I'm able to find the right people and plug them into the right spot in the business um, with very high likelihood of success. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you guys uh, heard of the book Who, Not How? It was actually mentioned at the War Room event. That's where I first heard about it. That's um, because I'm the one who mentioned it. You were the one who mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, that That's tremendous. It's such a good book. And, and I think that is a great way to approach business and life is thinking about, you know, who, not how do I solve this problem? I think what you described was a slight variation of that. And I think a lot of people will work better doing doing this way you do it. Uh, I know I do in a lot of cases where you want to kind of go all in on something and understand it so you can see how it fits in with the business and so you can know how to better coach and help someone. But then don't do that forever, right? Then find your who. Find, find the who to get the how done, um, which I think is, is super smart. Um, can you guys kind of share, what are, what are some lessons you learned from failures, right? And, and I think we all, we all learn from good stories, uh, and sometimes we only, we only want to talk about successes, but a lot of times, I know for me, like I learn a lot from failures. Can you guys think of any specific ones, maybe that are not like too revealing or too embarrassing, or, or you know, but but have free reign to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, so I'll go first. Okay, I'm I have, still thinking. I go and have some ideas. So this kind of goes along that same thread of hiring really good people. So 
that that's definitely been, I say now we have a good high likelihood of somebody succeeding. Whereas before that definitely was not the case. We hired, um, last year, in fact, we hired, you know, three new people, full-time, you know, full-fledged employees. And very quickly we realized, yeah, this, this isn't going to work out. Um, and so what we've learned, all, all three, none, none of the three, yeah, okay. all three, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real bad. <laughs> um, I have found though, just, just as a side note, like to, to get really good at building a team, I, I don't know any other way around it. Like you're going to have at least a few hires that you're like, Oh, that was terrible. Why did I hire this person? I think you just have to, you have to go through that. I, I, I know almost no one who's like, Oh no, every hire I've had's good. You know, like it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And in addition there's preparation on the business side as well. It's like, are you ready? Yeah. You know, do you have, do you know exactly the role they're going to be playing? So that's why I like to do like a deep dive myself to be like, okay, these are the KPIs that they should be meeting on a monthly basis. Um, and again, that's kind of what we learned from our first experience is like, we had this pie in the sky idea of like, ooh, we just want more product designs. Well, okay. Or we want to just blow up the marketing. Well, okay, how? <laughs> Job description, so, blow up marketing. Here yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blow up the marketing. Yeah. And so anyways, uh, one thing that, you know, I think that your audience can take away from this, we found a lot of success working with overseas contractors um, that they do a very good job with us. Number one, uh, we've seen that their work ethic is just as good, if not sometimes even better than any of our U.S.-based um, workforce. And they're just, they're hungry to work and they're they're just as capable and smart as others. But it allows us to identify people, very quickly bring them into the business without much risk on our side. Because that was the whole big, that was a big mess when it's like, all right, we now had to register and do all this paperwork in all these three states that we had hired different people from. It was like then unwinding all of that was a mess in and of itself. So hiring a contractor is like quick wins. Um, or if it doesn't work out, it's yeah. Easy you don't renew the contract, right? You don't you don't work again. Yeah, I, I think there are several lessons there, and this is something that we've really gotten pretty good at uh, as as a company. Is is onboarding new teams. So finding and attracting the right team members, onboarding them for success. And, and I will say, and I'm, I'm super proud of this from, from our team's perspective, is that we've made a lot of really good hires over the last year and a half or so. And when you make a great hire, someone that fits your culture and they fit the role, it's just a beautiful thing. Like there's almost nothing more fulfilling as a, as a leader to see someone you brought on really, really succeed in, in what they're doing. And so, uh, but I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on a couple of things you said there, Josh. Uh, one, we've used the contractor turned employee um, uh, approach a lot. So especially with like uh, specialists, we need a, a Google ad specialist, a, a, an Amazon ad specialist, a YouTube specialist. We'll, we got a vetting process, got an interview process. We do a personality test, like all kinds of stuff. But then we'll say, hey, let's, let's work on this project together, right? So here's the here's the project. Here's exactly what we, what we want you to do. Here's what success looks like. And we'll do a couple of those. And then if that goes really well and the team, you know, likes this person, then we'll, we'll make them an offer, you know? And and what's so cool is now, and we're, we're a team of, of uh, about to be 44. We just hired three uh, new people starting this month. Um, the team really protects the culture. Like the, the team is pretty passionate. And they'll, and they'll interview and say, I don't think this person's going to fit. I don't think they're going to to cut it here, and uh, that's that's an awesome thing. So I love that going from contractor to employee, or or maybe someone just stays a, a contractor. I think one of the things, and we haven't done, we have not done much with hiring people over overseas, but I, I know a lot of people that do. And I think it's a great, I think it's a great um, approach. I think what a lot of people do when they hire someone overseas is they really spell things out clearly what they want done. These are the tasks. This is how I need it done. This is what success looks like. But I don't think people necessarily do that when they hire a full-time U.S. employee. Like they don't take as much time to explain what they want. At least that's that's just been my observation. But I think so. I think success, however you go, is kind of the same. Like clearly map it out. Make sure you're ready as a company, you know, to really set someone up for success. And the nice thing about that too is if something happens to them or they get sick or they take a different opportunity, at that point you've laid out the process. 
So that overwhelming yes. solution part of it is done. You just need to plug in the right person. So we have, yeah. that's been really nice for us. Like you put in that time up front to figure out that process, to figure out their tasks. Then, you know, if something comes up, it's not as stressful to replace them. Or- Love yeah. it. Really good. So Beckett, as you think of lessons learned from failure. For sure. Yeah. I think, One of the biggest things that I've learned as our business has continued to develop and change um, is being able to let something go regardless of how much time you've put into it. Mm. For me, that's a good one. A number of things, whether it's a photo shoot or a product design, I mean, it can apply across the board, but um, I know there have been times with designs where whether we put it out to our audience and they don't like it or the product fails on Amazon, or I just need to take the time to redo something that I need to be able to let myself and let it go and be like, doesn't matter that you spent all this time doing this X, Y, Z, it's not the right fit. And that can be hard to do. It can be hard to let go of something that you feel like, well, I like it. I put all this time in or, um, but, or once you take a step back and you're like, Oh, it's not really quite what I think is going to work but making myself be like, all right, then we're going to start over. We're going to scratch it. We're going to let it go. Um, so that can come in a lot of different ways, creative ways, business. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, totally. First of all, that's a fantastic point. And I think this is very clearly illustrated with, with like an art project or something like a design that you create, but this totally applies to other things too, which is not as clear. So you've got refined taste, right? And, and, and you're helping Josh refine as well. But you know what looks good from a design standpoint. So you may pour your heart and soul into a new design and think, man, this is good. This is really good. But then have you, it sounds like you maybe had a couple of those where people are like, eh, I don't like it. Or the, the marketplace just doesn't care for it, right? And that, that hurts. Uh, it, I think you may have a tendency. Have you ever had this thought where like, oh, well, people are just wrong. Like they're just wrong because this is good. I know this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and so, yeah, having that ability to say, hey, it's cool. Like this just didn't connect for whatever reason. I'm not going to get, even though I put my heart and soul into it to try to make it good, it didn't work. So I'm going to move on. I'm not going to be emotionally attached. Uh, We do the same thing. It's not as clear. I think this way we do the same thing with business ideas, either processes or procedures, or this is the way we've always done things or whatever. Like, no, this was my business idea. This was whatever. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, I love the way I I heard this, uh, uh, quote about Steve Jobs one time. It's actually from the book Radical Candor, which which is a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. But um, the, the author was having a, a conversation with another tech superstar who I'm drawing a blank on who it was now. But they were like, man, Steve Jobs always gets it right. And and the author was like, what, what do you mean Steve Steve Jobs is always right? No, no one's always right. And the guy said, no, no, no. I didn't say Steve Jobs is always right. I said he always gets it right. Where he... Whether and, and he would sometimes take credit for ideas and were her his and whatnot. If you ever read like read his biography, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> but he was very willing to say, "Oh, you're right. That's a bad idea. We're gonna do we're gonna do uh, this other thing." Even there's a story with the Apple stores where like super close to when they were going to launch the first Apple store, Ron Johnson famously came to him and said, Hey, I just thought about this. We need to like redo the whole concept. And I heard that like Steve jobs threw a bit of a temper tantrum, got angry. And then he's like, you know what, but you're right. We're going to redo the whole thing. And then, and then they were both right. And like Apple stores are, are amazing. Um, so having this quest to get it right, but not necessarily to be right, I think is, is key in business for sure. Yeah. And starting out with that fresh perspective when you do need to change and pivot, letting, totally letting it go and pivot and be all in and pivoting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like not, not let any bitterness or whatever, like just, Hey, it's okay. This didn't work or it didn't connect with people for whatever reason. No problem. Next. Let's move on to the next, the next thing. And that's one, that's one thing that we've tried to embed in our culture at Hadley Designs is we, A, we want to fail fast. So I would rather just create a product idea or whatever idea it is or initiative. Let's try to get some wheels under it sooner than later rather than, oh, let's sit and refine this process and make sure it's perfect. Um, Just to kind of a proof of concept. But then secondly, going back to your point of, I'm not always right. Becca's not always right. And with our team, it's... I've told them and I'll jump on our phone calls and I'm like, I want you to don't just take what I tell you and say, okay, I'll go do it. Cause Josh said, so he's the CEO. Right, no, like, right. I want you to think through and be like, 
why, why, why does it have to be done this way? Or why are we doing it like this? What about this? And every single one of our team members has just in the last week has come back to me and said, well, have you considered this? Or why does it have to be this way? What about if we did it X, Y, Z? Anyways, it's been so powerful because, I mean, that's kind of where Becca and I, again, going back to us working complementary to one another, is like, I can bring a product idea to her and it will be, it's a decent product idea, but then she goes and takes it to the next level. I'm like, ooh, that's a lot better. Yeah. Um, That is where like the secret sauce is for us. It's all in the team members. It's all in the collaboration and people being able to speak up. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, one of the things we we talk about internally is, hey, let's let's encourage some disagreement, right? If we're always agreeing about everything, then some of us are unnecessary, or somebody's not really speaking their mind, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I, I did just recently, a newer team member, one of our account managers, uh, called something out in a, in a client Slack channel, and hey, I noticed this, and this just doesn't look right to me. And she asked like some really tough questions, some questions that that maybe other people would be afraid to ask because it might make a team member look bad or someone might, you know, might hurt someone's feelings. And I just like uh, went on and on complimenting her for doing that. Like I, I called it out in the channel. That was awesome. And our next Monday morning meeting with the whole team together, I called it out specifically and said, Hey, this is, this is, and this is what we need. And this is why we need it. Um, and it turns out there was actually a great answer that she was looking for, but that wasn't the point. The point was that she, Pose the question, and and she uh, brought it up, and and I think I mentioned this on a podcast before, but we kind of adopted the line from the TSA where if you see something, say something, you know, uh, and, and also you will not be uh, appreciated if you you can never say uh, after the fact after something failed. Oh, I th- I thought that was going to fail. Like no, no, no. If you think something's going to fail, say something then. Don't yeah. wait. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I yeah. like that. See something, say something. See something, say something. To, yeah, it's, it's catchy. Get some of those TSA posters. Put them up around. It's <laughs> like the only, the only <laughs> thing I would probably recommend you, yeah. you know, swipe from the TSA to put in your business. Yeah, uh, is, one is of the that, that motto. But yeah. um, cool. So, so what about some lessons from successes? So, Becca, some some lessons you guys have, have learned recently from successes because. Uh, there's also this great principle, and I heard Jim Collins talking about this, where um, it's actually one of the greatest tragedies in business is succeeding and not knowing why you succeeded, because then you can't duplicate it, and then you can't build upon it, and then it's like, I don't know how this happened; it just did. But, but so any any lessons learned recently from successes? Um, I think it probably sounds simple, but. Um taking just customer feedback and client feedback, especially when it does come to designs. We've seen how powerful it is to put multiple ideas out there, to have people feel like they're a part of the creation process, that their opinion's been heard. um, And that can be getting them excited before a product launches along the steps of design, having them pick, you know, this color set versus this color set. Yeah. Um, now, how do, how do you facilitate this? Because that, that's a super interesting concept, and I, I hear you guys talk about getting feedback and stuff. Do, do you do that through a, a Facebook group, or, or what? What do you use to facilitate that? Yeah, kind of all across the board. We have a Facebook group. I'll do it on social media. We've done it with email surveys with uh, ManyChat. Is that mm-hmm. what um, So just kind of all across the board, because you're going to get different people that use different platforms, right? So kind of trying to hit on all the different things to help people be a part of it. Um, but they're the ones that are buying the products. Their opinion is obviously super valuable, but they also just, people like to be heard. So um, yes. it's been, we get great numbers of feedback of response um, percentages, and then their feedback is really helpful. And oftentimes we'll get ideas of, hey, you guys should do this, or what if you made this, or, you know, I really like this. So just really being open to that, I think has helped us be successful. And again, you have to like take their opinions and like, understand them and appreciate them and then implement it. So I think that's been a good success for us. Yeah, it's so good. It, it, it is it is simple, but most businesses don't do it, 
right? And and so I think one you got to ask, and you got to you got to take the time and, and energy to build these communities where you can ask, and then you need to really listen, right? And yeah. and do what people say. And I think there's something valuable, and you mentioned it. People want to be heard, right? So you ask for someone's opinion, and then they give it. That's that's satisfaction right there to a certain degree. People love that part. But then, then if they actually see that thing being created, they're very likely to buy. Uh, and they feel like, wow, I'm connected to this business. They're also more likely to share it if they had a feel like they had some some say in it being created. And so, yeah, just a super powerful approach for sure. Yeah, they had a part in it. And it's not a, like, I don't always love like changing every single color of something to approach with a different color pattern. Like, oh, do you like this color versus this color? So it can be tedious and annoying. But like you said, I think, people then feel like they have some ownership and they're excited. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah I love that. Uh, Josh, what, what about you? Lessons from successes. These could be recent successes. These could be successes from the the early days, back when you didn't have fancy chairs. Uh, it could be whatever. <laughs> what, back when we didn't have fancy chairs uh, a month ago? Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, in internet, in internet years or internet time, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It, it definitely was. So yeah, we'll take it back to uh, pre-corona, which feels like there you go. That feels like another lifetime. Yeah, for sure. For real. So um, a lesson that we've learned in a success was um, we were primarily, if you would have asked us pre-corona, oh, what business are you in? Oh, we're in the, you know, party goods, helping people celebrate birthdays, baby showers, bridal showers, et cetera. Well, with COVID, that like just blew, blew it parties. up oh, yeah. in a bad way, right? I said blow it up with marketing in a good way. So it blew it up, you know, negatively. <laughs> in negatively. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really scary. Like we were going back to like revenue numbers that were like when we first started. Our yeah, business. yeah. When, you, when you're locked in your house, you're not buying party uh, yeah. favors and, and special wedding invitations. You're not getting married uh, right now. You know? So it was a really scary time. But one thing I would say that we did do is we kind of stuck out our neck in a way and it forced us to go compete in what I previously would have considered a more competitive market um, in Amazon, right? So there's lots of players. There's um, tons of reviews on those competitors' products. Um, definitely, I would have sh- tended to shy away from that before, but it was it was homeschool-related, right? So mm-hmm. we knew... We're all homeschoolers now. friend <laughs> was like, everybody's coming home. So because we were able to say, okay, we see this trend, this is only going to pick up and we see some people that are not actually serving, you know, customers on those keywords of like homeschool specific keywords. So it's like, yeah, the main category is super competitive. But if we can get our start in some of the, this niche, you know, homeschool related category, then we can explode. Well, long story short, we went ahead. It was a lot of money to invest into this new product. And it was our best. It still is our best selling product right wow. now. Wow. And we launched it without advertising and it was, it started to sell hundreds a day. And I That's was like, crazy. Oh. I, well, I've never seen that happen. Yeah. Um, I don't, I almost never hear. I don't think I've ever heard of that, uh, that specifically. And what's great about this is like your core business, all those parts are going to come back, right? We're all going to have birthday parties again. And we live in the Midwest. So like there are people in Texas and Missouri, they're like, Hey, forget it. I'm having a birthday party anyway. <laughs> so some of that's probably coming back. Um, but it's going, it's going to be back to normal, uh, you know, at some point in time in the future, but now you've got this whole other product right. that's this in a very competitive niche that's exploding. And so I, I love hearing those stories where, Hey, uh, pandemic forces us to pivot and think about something new. And I think that's always going to be the case in business, right? Hopefully, you know, it won't be another global pandemic, but there'll be something that will disrupt or create like an opportunity, the perfect chance to pivot into something new. And so, yeah, well, let, let's do this. So we're, we're, we're up against it. We're about out of time. Any other uh, final tips you would share? Like these are, these are a few of the, the nuggets we've learned um, from building this business that you would, that you would want to share with other e-commerce entrepreneurs. I'll go first and then you, you have some ideas. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm always, I'm never the one shy to talk. So she's like, <laughs> I know you're gonna you were the, when we met, um, in Austin, you were the, you were the first one that spoke, which is cool. Like I, I'm pretty outgoing. I, I say hi pretty quickly, but you were, I think you were the first one that spoke. So that was cool. That's why I said the corner of the street doesn't come as a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. like, Does that guy shut up? Yeah. Um, anyways, now I forgot what I was going to say. What was I? What was the question? So the question was just like any, any final tidbits, you know, lessons learned that you would share with other e-commerce entrepreneurs. Yeah. So going back, you know, to where we started, I'm, so even though I, I would say like I was a born entrepreneur, if you will, you know, I was the one with the candy stand on the corner of the street at a, you know, young age, always knew I was going to be in, in business, but I had no idea where I would actually fall in business. Right. So I would say I'm a risk taker, but not at the same time. So like, I was never willing to be like, all right, Becca, we just graduated school. Like, let's go build our own business and live off of food stamps for the next year or two, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that type of risky entrepreneur. I'm more of that safe bet, right? So that's why I had my job with American Airlines. And it allowed us to very comfortably continue to reinvest into the business. So for the first, I would say the first three years, all the money we made just went straight back into the business. It's amazing. Straight back amazing. into the business. And I mean, we did six figures our first year um, doing custom wedding invitations. So it wasn't like a small amount of you know money. It was like, oh yeah, we made a thousand bucks. That was a good chunk of money. But yeah, we a lot of people be wanting to like take a piece. Like I gotta have a piece of that, right? <laughs> yeah, and and it would have been you know would have been fun, but we knew that our vision was always much bigger. And so it allowed us, again, a lot of people aren't, don't have that amount of savings. We had a lot of savings eventually to go in and go into all these really competitive product categories like I just shared and be like, all right, we've built our war chest. We're ready to go to battle now. But that took a long time to build up and always kind of having a bigger vision than kind of what you just see right in front of your face today. Love it. Know, know what you're working towards, know what that vision is. And that really helps guide decisions, make, makes it much easier. Hey, do we do we spend this or do we save this? Well, we're going to save it because we're, we're going to do this thing next, you know? So awesome. Uh, Becca, what about you? Any kind of closing thoughts, final tidbits for the audience? Yeah, um, I think, again, it sounds simple, but being able to put in the time and the effort, like we work very hard and we have, ever since we began. And I strongly believe that I will, I'm not afraid of whoever comes along because I know how much harder I will work than the other person. But I think a big part of that comes from the fact that we're both very passionate about what we do. So for us, it doesn't always feel like working. Like sure, sometimes there's stuff we don't want to do that's tedious or whatever. Um, but we work harder. We're always going to work harder than the next person. We're going to put in the hours. I'm going to stay up till 2 a.m. working and I'm going to keep putting, um, we're going to keep grinding. We always have. And that's been a huge thing that I feel like has set us apart from a lot of people is we are willing to sacrifice, to put in the time, to work hard. But again, it's a passion. So making sure that whatever you are doing, you do need to be passionate about it or that grind is going to feel like a grind. Like for us, it doesn't always feel like a grind, although we don't take as many breaks as sometimes you'd like, you know, but um, finding that passion and then just going all in and working as hard as you absolutely can. And it'll get you, it really will get you ahead. So. Yeah. I want to just piggyback on that real quick. I mean, that is one thing that I would say is both of our superpowers is the um, like just hard work. We will outwork anybody. Uh, I mean, like I said, we're staying up till 2 a.m. and raising a family and we just have it on all day, but we also enjoy right, right. the same token. So it's funny, like during the summer or during the pandemic, right? Everybody was watching Tiger King and everybody's like, oh, have you seen it? It's like, no, like we <laughs> any of our time. We're building something here. Yeah. yeah. A little we, busy. <laughs> Anyways, there's one quote that I have in our in our office that I had Becca put on a a, a picture of a lion, and she was like, "This is turning into just a man cave over here." <laughs> Anyways, but it says it's not about who has more talent; it's about who is hungrier, and I love it. And that's that's, that's awesome. what 
I love kind of coming to work with each day that it's like, doesn't matter if the other competitor might be a little bit smarter than I am. I'll work a lot harder. Yep. That's something you can always control, right? You may not be, you can't control whether you're smarter than someone else, but you can always control who's, who's going to work the hardest. And, and I think also a couple of things you talked about, you kind of talked about like tenacity, Becca, and having passion. And those are the things that I think make business fun. Yes, financial success, seeing the growth, you know, dominating a new category, getting those wins, that's super fun too. But if that's all you're going for, some of that fades, right? But if, if you enjoy the process and enjoy, you know, what you're doing, that combined with financial success, like that's that's the ticket right there. That's that's the winning element. So, uh, man, Josh and Becca, you guys nailed it. I know you've already talked about this, and so this is going to feel like new news to the audience, not to me. You guys should you guys should start a podcast. You guys should do like some podcasting here. Uh, we would like to. That that is that is an idea that we have that uh, we would like we would like to create. There you go. You heard it here first. Unless you guys said it somewhere else, then maybe you didn't hear it here nope, first. But, right here on the OMG. Josh and Becca, the Josh and Becca show, coming to an iTunes uh, uh, app store near you. So awesome, guys! Thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. Appreciate you sharing the time. Yeah, thank yeah, you, thank Brett. You. Been a lot of fun. Awesome. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We couldn't do this without you, obviously. Uh, we would love to hear feedback from you. What would you like to hear more of on this show? Also, if you have not done it, we'd love to get that five-star review on iTunes. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.